your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not going Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Wow, what a day. Not only is the weather beautiful outside, it's a terrific fall day. But we have an actual practice report coming your way in a few minutes tonight here on Sports Alley. How good does it feel to say that? How how nice was it, Ben, earlier today when Nebraska made some coaches and players available on from the defensive side of the football to hear them talking about personnel, strategy, work ethics, instead of hearing about testing results and protocols and, oh, it was like a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? Yeah, it's kind of been what we've been waiting for, right? I mean, it, it, first of all, this was as normal as it's going to feel, um, you know, with with the new press conference protocols, post-practice protocols that it's that it's going to get. Um, you know, although over Zoom, it was great to hear from the coaches, uh, see some of the players, although just on a screen, you know, hear them talk, Deontay Williams, JoJo Doman, and you know, to get the defensive coordinator's thoughts on on kind of what was happening too. It's, uh, yeah, breath of fresh air is the right way to put it. Sure was, because if we didn't have that, we probably would have had to be talking off the top about what Austin had in the ticker, and that's that the Titans now have an issue and that the NFL is dealing with it from a couple team standpoint. But we're going to get into more of that practice report. We've got sound from a couple of the coaches that we'll get into a little bit later on. We'll hear from the offensive side of the ball on Thursday, and – Hopefully, maybe by the end of the week, maybe we'll even hear some things from the head coach talking about other things than protocols and testing and that type of thing, the the real nuts and bolts of a football program that we love to hear and go over and overanalyze and and all the things that we do in Nebraska, right? I mean, that's what we do. We, We break these things down, and we hear one guy's name come out of one coach's mouth and we immediately jump to the conclusion this must be an all-american this must be the new hidden jam on this football team but i love it i love that time of year and that's usually in august ben we're at least going to get it here in late september and october yeah and th- th- that's part of the excitement of the off season i think is you know just hearing about some of the players that you know we haven't had a chance to see and i think that's even exploded to another level this year because we didn't have spring ball. I mean, the, we, mm-hmm. we didn't have the, the ability to, to watch some of these early enrollees in the spring. And so I think, you know, we're, we're all just kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear what some of these newcomers can do and how they can add to what we already know uh, those players can do. So to me, that's the exciting part is, you know, we're still yet to really find out, you know, what these guys can do and, um, you know, how they're going to contribute. And, and, and even – you know, to to a further extent, what progress has some of the players made that are already on the team that we know are going to have a big impact and that we're expecting to take big strides? And, and so I think that that all of it is exciting. And you know, and then just to, to pour a little gasoline on the fire, just the fact that we have it back. You know, have football here and we can talk Husker football, and we're not having to sit here and talk about what SEC matchup excites us for next week while Nebraska sits around and plays Fortnite or whatever, you know, they, it's, <laughs> it, we're involved now. And I think that's, you know, definitely added to my 
intrigue level around the country, but even more so, you know, days like today when we can hear from Husker personnel. First time in a long, long time that we can give you a practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Huskers working out today. Hopefully this is the last time without pads, Greg. I haven't heard... Uh, officially yet if the Huskers putting pads tomorrow, but tomorrow was originally the deadline of when this thing was supposed to happen. (laughs) That's right. I mean, we've got no official confirmation that that's the case, but yeah, it's supposed to be the 30th. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. It was defense day today. So this is the first time that we were able to hear from uh, members of the Husker defense, including the defensive coordinator, Eric Shenander, some of his assist- assistant coaches, Travis Fisher, and yes, the return of Mike Dawson. So we will hear cuts from all the above, starting first with Nebraska's defensive coordinator and uh, Eric Shenander meeting with the media today and uh, asked about accountability testing all the above for the players that now have new protocols in order to keep playing. Um, it's been kind of an ever-changing situation ever since this thing started, and Coach Frost and, and the other people involved have done a great job in getting a plan for us, getting a process for us. The, the testing protocol like you talked about, uh, part of my job is reinforcing those protocols around the bubble, if you will, to make sure that we're doing things the right way so that we don't lose players or coaches, um, as well as you know making sure the testing is going smoothly and all those kind of things. This is unique, Greg, and this is something that uh, everybody's going to have to get used to around the country, but you just feel like this this coaching staff is constantly throwing curveball after curveball and they, you know, nothing they can't settle into a rhythm, I suppose. Right. And there's no there is no rhythm and football and sports coaches love structure. They love, you know, something falling into place and not have to worry about outside distractions. Well, this has been the ultimate outside distraction because everything has changed so many different times. I mean, for goodness gracious, we're already on our third Big Ten schedule for, that the guys have had to look at in the last four months. So it's just been crazy. Coaches hate this thing. You know players don't like uncertainty. They like to know we're practicing this day, that day, that day. We're playing on this day. Well, now hopefully we can get into a little bit of that moving forward. Right. Energy is something that is going to be within a lot of times this year, uh, especially you know when you're playing home games, playing road games with no fans in the stands. Nebraska's defensive coordinator addressed that today as well. I've been you know chasing guys around a little bit, even in individual drills. It's just that you know great teams. You know, it's been said since the beginning of time, good teams are, are kind of led by the coaches. Great teams are led by the players and. Um, some of those guys that have had a lot of experience for us need to take the next step and and just give us some great energy, some great leadership. Um, And I want to have fun out there. I want to be demanding. I want to be full speed. I want to get everything we can out of everybody, but I want to have fun too. And football is a fun game. And when you're playing really fast and you know what you're doing, um, once they let us get pads on and we're hitting people, once that stuff all comes together, that's where the fun comes to me. But we have to feed off each other's energy. And and the other piece of it is – 
we haven't been able to stress it to them as much yet, but when we get into the the Big Ten season here, we're going to go in, in Memorial Stadium and there's going to be, you know, whatever they let us have, zero to 500 people. I don't even know what, what the numbers are going to be, but it's going to be kind of, you know, b- bring your own juice a little bit, bring your own energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we need to get that going now. Our, our guys are not just our guys, the whole conference. They're not going to be used to playing in front of an empty stadium in the Big Ten, especially at Nebraska, whether they're on the road or we're at home. We have the best fans in the country, period. And there's always a lot of juice coming from the stands. There's not going to be, so we're going to have to bring our own a little bit. Going to be different. Going to be weird, especially when they're coming out of that tunnel. Um, it's just – it's normally so electric you can't even really hear yourself think. Um, I mean, you're up there in the booth when it happens. I'm down there on the field that it happens. And for that, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, you feel like you can fly. And and, 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 and now it's like, you know, it's still going to be exciting, but it's 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 going to be running out of the tunnel for a practice. That's what it's going to feel like. Bring your own juice. I like that comment from him on that thing. And, and I think that's – one, it makes going on the road easier, right? I mean, you don't have to deal with the people yelling at you and screaming at you and not being able to hear your snap count. It should be easier to be a road team in college football. And I think we've seen some evidence of that, Ben, in the first month of the college football season of the games that we've seen. It has not been. I mean, look at Mississippi State Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much easier was it for them to operate their yeah. stuff without the Tiger fans screaming at them and yelling at them a little bit? So it, I, think it, it, I think it levels the playing field a little bit and the one team that can get themselves to a a, a mental state of hysteria maybe the ones that that win a lot of these games moving forward right yeah so it'll be interesting to see what that's like you know with the team and uh and how they handle such a such a test well it's been a long off season it's been a long summer Uh, a lot of different areas coach shenander talked about what's been the toughest part of these last couple of weeks and in a couple of months the hard part for me, to be honest with you, um, was not being able to be with the kids and see them face to face. And you know, leadership is a contact sport. Not being able to, to touch those guys and hug them and and just be with them every day was the hard part for me. And not having pads on is it's not ideal, like I said. But like I said, everybody's doing the same thing. You know, when when we were in the NFL, it's you know, pads were not a huge situation once you got through about four weeks anyways. Um, so we found ways around that. But just not being able to see those guys for an extended period of time, I think, was the hardest part for me. Leadership is a contact sport. You like that? Love it. Love it. Great line, isn't it? And, and he's right. I mean, it's hard to – coaches love being around their players. They miss them when – they're out recruiting, and they, and they all talk about it when they kind of get off the recruiting trail. They're like, man, I can't wait to get around my guys again. I can't wait to get in my room and see my players. They develop this bond, and when you can't have them dropping in your office and plopping down and they're having to meet in different rooms, and you, you lose that intimacy a little bit uh, of the position room. So I, I know, heck, you and I have talked about that. We miss seeing the players. We miss being able to be in the room and – Talk to one of the guys on the football team or one of the coaches on the team. It's just it's just a different thing that we live in now that we did six months ago. And um, but you know, I, I think the coaches are are finding ways to get around that a little bit and try to, particularly with the new players on the team, find ways to bond with these guys a little bit. Yeah, and then that's you know really the first time we felt that is when media days was taken away from us. You know, and, and that's you're around so many of the coaches around the league and so many of the players around the league. The most comforting thing is. 
you know, when you're seeing all these people walk around, you're seeing all the media people walk around, when you see your first Husker or you see Seamus McKnight and you see, the, you know, our, our brand and our players and our coaches represented, it's just such a comforting feeling seeing those guys. And um, that, that kind of starts it. And it's been kind of hollow ever since, you know, late July when we, we haven't had that. Um, last thing that, that Coach Shenander talked about today, and um, it's, it's been a topic on this show and, and everywhere, is the schedule. And what Nebraska is faced with this season in 2020 and what the league handed down uh, in terms of their schedule. Coach Shenander talked about what he sees, what's in front of the Huskers. I control what I can control. I can't control the schedule. They put it out there. We play football. Um, I want to play football. I didn't care who we played first. Um, you know, I kind of expected, you know, it may be Ohio State. It may be one of our crossover games. You know, it, it's probably it was probably going to be Ohio State, Penn State, or Rutgers. However, the, the chips fell. Um, it came out as Ohio State and then Wisconsin second. So, you know, we got to get ready and let's go. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for us for sure. You know, our guys are excited. The one thing that they did not want to do was play, you know, a schedule that was not going to have the best teams in it. They want to play the best teams. I want to coach against the best teams. Um, that's why we all came to Nebraska. We didn't, we didn't come to Nebraska to, to, to play a bunch of games that weren't going to matter. We came here just like every kid did to play in the big-time football games, and that's what we got right away. So it's an awesome opportunity for us as a defense and as a team. I think, Greg, that it's becoming so tired for me hearing national media pick on Nebraska for the, how they feel about the schedule when they haven't even really heard from members of the team about how they feel. And this is the first public comments we've really heard um, from the from the coaches or the players about what what's ahead of them. And I think Coach Shenander's approach is the approach that probably everybody over there feels. It's all you can do now. It's out. Let's go. I mean – you, you open with the Buckeyes. I think it's a tip of the cap. I said this a couple weeks ago. It's a tip of the cap that Nebraska still means something nationally because that was a game that I think TV had an influence on getting. They wanted a marquee matchup right out of the gate to launch the league back in, and two of your biggest brands are going to do it, Ohio State and Nebraska. Tip of the cap, let's go. Our guys ought to be fired up work their tails off for the next three weeks to get ready for that game, and let's see what happens. We already talked about kind of the loss of the home field advantage because no crowds are going to be in there. You're not going to be playing in front of 105,000 Buckeye fans. You're going to be playing in front of a lot of empty seats. And so uh, you take away that advantage for them, and it, it levels the playing field to a certain degree. 100%. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit and, and narrow the focus to Nebraska's secondary, and Travis Fisher, Nebraska's secondary coach, met with the media today and gave an update on the self-scouting part, what he's seeing out there from his guys. Uh, always. We're always trying to find out things that we've done previously um, uh, in the past years that we can do better. We also look at things that, um, that we want to try um, to make us a better uh, defense as well. So uh, we're always trying to find out ways we can be better. Uh, across the board as a defense and um, also always trying to, you know, like I said, trying to uh, look back at some things and fix things. Uh, and that's pretty much every day. Seems like something that the off season is good for. You know, you do you do that type of stuff, not only analyzing uh, game film for your future opponents, which we finally know who they are, but, you know, for a lot for the longest time when Nebraska didn't have a season really all they had was to look at what they were doing and how they could improve you you think you know the terminology the verbiage 
a lot of that stuff has been gone over over and over and over again because they've been able to meet for you know a couple months now the 12 hour week a week rule was in effect now it's up to 20 so they've had a lot of meeting times with these guys to go over the mental part of the game and it's all different now when you're out there and you're breathing heavy and you're distracted and your head's a little foggy because you may have just taken a big hit so you hope that you've done enough base work in the classroom that it's kind of second nature for you a little bit and travis fisher i'm sure cannot wait for this thing to really get cranked up because that that is going to be some intense competition for playing time in the back end of that defense this year well and i think part of that Greg leads into this next um, cut that we're going to play, and that's the culture that's starting to be established with with Nebraska's secondary. And that was one area that, you know, you weren't really sure entirely what you were getting because, you know, you you had an idea of what Nebraska was going to look like offensively, and you know what 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 this was going to look like defensively. I think was more of a wild card. You know, a lot of people paid a lot of attention to what Coach Shenander's defenses looked like to, at UCF, but. In particular, the, the different components, right? The secondary being one of them with Travis Fisher. And, and I think it's, it's the one word that we're going to use to describe this throughout is the word that you already used, and that's competition. Not only because of what Nebraska has already had when this staff came here, but what they're starting to recruit and put back there. Uh, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of guys fighting for, for a very few amount of positions and very talented players What's that culture of that room look like right now? Here's Nebraska's secondary coach. You know, I have a great group of guys. Um, I think um, character-wise that when I have younger guys in the room, uh, the culture in the room is there. So um, when I have times that are tough, you know, for younger players, situations, stuff change, um, pandemic, um, been a freshman, um, Came to a visit last year, saw a bunch of fans come this year. You see no one on campus. Um, those freshmen struggle. And, you know, credit to the, the room I have, the older guys, I'm um, able to um, grab a hold of those younger guys that are here and helping them so much. I think we would all, would all admit, Ben, that that room was messy when Scott Frost and his staff took over. But there were a lot of egos pulling in different directions on that thing. Who, who do you think was influential, other than Travis Fisher, obviously, of trying to help turn that around? What guys on the team? Is Decap one of those guys? Was it Lamar's transformation? How do you think he ended up flipping that thing? It, it's hard because you look at the personalities of that group, and I think the, the example is Lamar. And, and, and that's tricky because – Lamar didn't really earn the right to say anything, to be one of those guys that people leaned on that Coach Fisher was talking about really until last year. I mean, he, he didn't really earn that right. You know, he didn't have the cachet. He didn't really have the, the, the mental mindset that a captain or a leader needed to have. And it's hard to put it all on Cam Taylor Britt because he's so young still. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the, the best example is probably DiCaprio, and, and another guy that I think we always forget about, and 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 I don't, and I 
hope this year we, we come to appreciate him a little bit more for what he is and what he's been to this program. And we, he always seems to get lost when we talk about the secondary. And that's Mark Heldes Muke. I mean, that's a guy that well, he doesn't talk a lot. We, don't, we haven't heard him talk to the media a ton. His story's not widely publicized. But if you think about it, Greg, think about what mental fortitude you have to have as the last of one of those Calabrasca guys. He, he, the Calabasas tree was <laughs> plentiful there for a while, and he's the only piece of fruit hanging on that tree left. He's been through so much adversity with his time here on campus. He's another one that had to grow up, and the coaches have, have praised a ton for his ability to stick with it, grow up, mature, and just kind of put his head down and work. And, and that's it, to me, it says a lot you know, for, for, to have a guy like that that is still around that we really don't talk about a whole lot. It, it's like a work-in-silence type mentality, and I hope you know, by the time that this season's over, we come to appreciate – uh, what Markell has brought to this team because just mentally and physically, I mean, I can't, he's, he's one of those players that are always out there, you know, carrying an arm or I look out there and he's got one of those big old neck rolls on the back of his pads. It's, he just doesn't really ever, you know, get the limelight and he doesn't ever really seem to ever go away. And I think that's a tribute to what he's meant to the program. And he almost left. He almost left his first summer here in town. He almost packed his bags and left. I think they talked him off the ledge a couple times to come back to the program. And now he's a stalwart back there. I agree. And he took full advantage of Deontay's injury last year because he, he got shoved into a much bigger role. And he produced pretty well for that team. That's a, that's a, that's a real success story in that program. Austin, I'm going to throw a curveball at you right here while, while we're on the fly. It's the first time we've done this this year but uh, with the practice sports, so we're a little rusty. Let's go, to, let's go to cut nine next. And since we were just talking a little bit about culture, and he talked a little bit about those freshmen, uh, there has been some departures from freshmen, particularly guys that Travis Fisher recruited in the Florida area. He did address some of those guys today. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate that a lot of the guys, you know, a um, couple guys, you know, that I recruited here, um, that we recruited here um, from the state of Florida are not with us because of whatever the reason may be. Um, it's been tough for everyone in this pandemic. It's been tough for, um, it's especially tough for kids to leave home and, um, you know, get be homesick. And like I said before, um, to come here last year and to come to a game and you see the excitement of the fans, you see students on campus, you see the campus life, um, you get a chance to go to restaurants, you get a chance to see the city of Lincoln. Um, and then the pandemic, you get a chance to, it's the total opposite. Um, and when you don't know, it's just the fear of not knowing anything. And at, the, at that time, just not knowing anything, not knowing if it was going to be a football season, not knowing if it was going to be this or be that. It was tough. It was tough for those kids. Um, so, um, you know, that's where we talk about the culture, you know. And some of the older guys were able to save the rest, you know, because it's not about um, the kids that, you know, are not with us anymore. It's really about it's some older ones too, all right. And some older ones that, you know, were struggling as well. You know, some coaches probably were struggling as well when, 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 when things change up. So um, I'm pretty sure uh, there's some adults, you know, um, out there that are just not coaching football, but just out in the regular workforce that are struggling uh, because of things that's changed up. So 
Um, you know, um, it was tough and still is tough, you know, but that's why we have a football team and, um, and, and a group of coaches that are, are willing to uh, sacrifice a lot to um, put our arms around these kids and try to, you know, help them as much as we can um, to stay here in Lincoln and ride the wave. That's a, that's such a well-phrased answer there from Coach Fisher. Greg, I mean, it's easy for us to just sit here being from Nebraska, fans of the program, to say, okay, well, these kids just don't – they're not bought in. They, they don't they don't want to be in Lincoln. They're, they're hasty. They're making all these decisions on the fly. When you're recruiting somebody, you're selling them on a vision. When you're selling them on, on what things are going to be like – and it's not like Nebraska coaches were lying to these kids. It's just that something happened in this society that we've never dealt with before. And what, what they were experiencing wasn't the vision that they had in mind. And, you know, each case of a transfer is a little bit different from what we're hearing. But it's not inconceivable to me that players wanted to go home. When, when you can't leave your room at a new place and you can't go experience things as, as, a, as a student athlete and experience what college life is like, it's no wonder why Nebraska hasn't had more guys decide to leave. He's right. I mean, think about how many adults have struggled with this whole thing. Whether the, you know, do you venture out of your house? Do you stay home? How long do you stay home? It's, 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 it's turned us all upside down. And to, to be 18, 19 years old and away from home for the first time, it can be really, really confusing. Uh, we did not get to some comments made by Mike Dawson in hour one, the Huskers outside linebacker. What all did he have to say? Yeah, welcome back, first of all, to Coach Dawson, you know, stepping back in and, you know, probably digging some Husker gear out of the closet uh, that he had from uh, from his last stay in Lincoln. And, of course, um, it's been, what, two and a half hours into the show and we haven't talked about stopping the run yet? What, what are we doing? Okay, let's get there now. Mike Dawson addressing stopping the run, everybody's favorite topic. Yeah, I think that uh... – yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that, that's something that, uh, you know, if they had 2.5 yards of carry, you'd want to get better, right? You don't want to, you don't want to regress or stay the same. You're always going to want to get better. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of passion for it. And, uh, you know, that's something that's going to fall on our position. Coach Frost has said that from the beginning. Uh, when you play the front that we play, you have to be able to set edges. And we're going to have to do a good job of setting the edge on our side. And then, uh, obviously, the guys in the middle are going to have to do a good job of knocking some offensive line back. Uh, uh, and then the, the linebackers in the secondary that are in the fit are going to have to fit the run. So it's uh, it, when teams run the ball, generally speaking, it's an, it takes 11 guys to stop the run all the time. I mean, uh, whether they're spreading you out and you have to go ahead and fit in the alley and things like that, or if they're packing the box in, where are you going to fit when they start using tight ends and wings and stuff like that? That you got to be sharp. You got to be on it, and uh, that's that's a challenge in this league because you see everything from uh, full house backfields to uh, you know empty uh, backfields with quarterback run and everything in between so uh, that's something that we, we have to focus on we have to stop the run no matter who you're playing and um, that's key to football success probably from the first snap of football ever uh, so we got to do a good job with that Greg let's just run out the keys to every single game from here until the end of time right no turnovers no penalties and <laughs> yeah. stop the run that's all checked we got to do <laughs> checked all the boxes right I mean that was that had all that in there his comment is right about the, the, the uniqueness, I think, of the Big Ten is that you have to defend all kinds of styles. You go from the, the pound-the-rock style of 
Wisconsin and Iowa to the spread of Ohio State and some other schools that do that. So you, it, it's, it's, it's a real challenge to play defense in this league. And that's going to be the interesting wrinkle that Mike Leach brings to the SEC, Ben, is that he's bringing mm-hmm. a total new type of offense to that league that they haven't seen before. And they used to all sit over there and make fun of, of what Leach would do to Big 12 defenses. Well, they saw last week what he can do to SEC defenses because that thing is hard to defend. No question. Well, one thing that helps negate what guys like Mike Leach can do is a pass rush, something that is always a point of emphasis around defensive football, and the Huskers are going to need to be better in that area this year. Coach Dawson talked about the ability to get after the passer. Yeah, I think that, number one, when you're watching the pass rush, you, you, obviously you've got to have uh, good athletes that are coming off the edge that are explosive. Uh, you got to uh, – every level of football the pass rush always starts with speed in my mind I, and i don't think that uh anybody would be able to convince me otherwise uh also we got to rush as a group uh it's got to be a combined effort uh the four guys rushing in a four-man rush uh, have to be working together if you have one guy that hits a great move and the guy on the other side blows an assignment or lets the quarterback escape that great move goes for nothing you never see it you never see any return on it so we have to do a good job that way and we got to be smart when we do bring more than four and uh, make sure that we know exactly where we fit in the rush but uh, the pass rush is obviously something that uh, we're putting a big emphasis on and uh, something that we're gonna uh, work really hard at uh, make sure that we get better at and improve uh, where we at where we are uh, compared to where we were last season so to me Greg there are obviously a lot of people on the roster that are gonna have to come contribute but I don't want to put it all on one guy, but to me, it's it's kind of time for Caleb Tanner to blossom mm-hmm. and show us some of that explosiveness and athleticism that Coach Dawson was just talking about. You're right. You're right. And another name, and it got thrown out there today, Nico Cooper is a guy that I think has the potential to really add to that position. But Caleb Tanner has shown enough flashes to tease us to think this could be a guy that could be impactful game in and game out. Now you're a junior. You've been in the program a couple of years. It's time to time to fly. And you look at him and you go – Oh. why <laughs> yeah we need you to be getting 20 sacks a year buddy looking like that I mean just an athletic freak and and it's and it's, as you said it's not because it's not that we haven't seen the flashes it's, it's in there I mean it's not like this guy is just you know yeah. a, a waste of of a helmet and shoulder pads he can do it we've seen him do it uh just doing it every down now is what's going to be required but now let's Check in with Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online at omaha.com. Hallelujah, Evan. We got some actual kind of football X's and O's stuff to talk about. This is great, huh? <laughs> Greg, man, it's, it is. It finally feels like fall camp, albeit at the end of September. Let's talk to some assistants, get some Q&A with the players, uh, breath of fresh air. You guys were thirsting for new quotes, weren't you? <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I've heard it put that, 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 you know, quotes are to media what oxygen is to regular people. You know, you can kind of hold your breath and, and exhale for as long as you can. But, man, at some point you need some kind of new insight. And yeah, it was, it was great to talk to Eric Shenander. And we, we hadn't talked to, uh, you know, Travis Fisher in, since March. And in March he, he gave us that joke, Merry Christmas, because we hadn't talked to him since November. So it's been Way spread out, yeah, it was great to get back and, and get at least some kind of semblance of normalcy going on with some football dialogue. Well, what were some of your takeaways today? What what piqued your interest from the coaches and the players we heard from? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, again, no matter what they said, the most notable part was, hey, it's back. And, yeah, it was on Zoom, and it wasn't kind of your typical uh, post-practice deal where you can have some more informal conversations, but it was certainly better than nothing. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed hearing from from the players. I thought JoJo Doman, the, the senior outside linebacker, was really um, forthright about what his goals are this year. I mean, if you remember back, to uh, the Purdue game last year, he took that really hard when Purdue had that uh, go-ahead touchdown late in the game. He said he he felt like he uh, mis, uh, had misplayed an assignment late that allowed them to score. And so he said, you know, yeah, he, he's been a guy who's made plays in his career. He's made sacks and, and uh, forced fumbles and all, and all sorts of different things. But his goal now is consistency. He can't take a playoff. He's the lone senior in that room. I think, you know, anyone who follows the team – somewhat closely realizes that that outside linebacker group is one that's really young. There's not still a ton of depth at, at the moment right there. So they really need a guy like him to be consistent and to step up. So it was, it was nice to hear that from him. Uh, you know, I think it, it's always interesting talking to Travis Fisher, the DB's coach. He's he's just a, a real genuine type of person. And so hearing him kind of talk about how tough it's been, I mean, on, on the student athletes, but also the, the coaches and, and people in general with the pandemic, um, you know, him kind of going through the attrition that Nebraska's had, especially with its three 2020 commits from Florida that decided to transfer. He said, yeah, I mean, you come in as a recruit and you see the excitement and, and the game day atmosphere and the campus life. And he said, with the pandemic, it's been the total opposite. So, uh, you know, hearing him talk about helping everyone else who's there kind of ride this thing out, get back to normal at some point was pretty cool too. So I think just at the end of the day, hearing some actual football talk uh, was refreshing. We moved on from, you know, the Big Ten decisions, the inner workings of their governing body, uh, medical protocols. It was just really refreshing (laughs) to hear position breakdowns, to hear, uh, you know, some younger guys' names come up like uh, Nico Cooper or Isaac Gifford, whoever it might be, just getting a sense of, of kind of who's on their way within that team was great. Evan, I can't wait for the day where we don't even have to talk testing anymore. I mean, we're a long ways away, I think, from having to do that, but I cannot wait for, for that day to, to get here and uh, kind of get back to, to business and normal business of covering these guys. Again, visiting with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work at Omaha.com. You've got a piece up with Travis Fisher where he, he was asked about who on the other side of the ball impresses you. What, 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 what did he have to say about that? Yeah, you know, he, he didn't name names, I think, to the, to the uh-huh. chagrin of some fans. They would love to know uh, what, you know, who who maybe has given his DBs some fits back there. But, you know, he, he made a good point that it's, it is an improvement in talent for one. And I think you can, you can point to guys like Omar Manning or even just Wondell Robinson strictly playing wide receiver as some examples of that. But then it's also you know, more uh, able-bodied playmakers that are out there. I mean, you think about how thin that room was at the end of last year and what's coming back. I mean, again, Wandale was splitting duties at uh, at running back in addition to wide receiver last year. Kate Warner had experience, but he was hurt. Um, And and so, yeah, I mean, that that was a position that was going through a pretty big reset with a new coach now and Matt Lubick as well. but then you look at what they brought in with Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Alante Brown, a freshman, was getting a lot of uh, talk from coaches in the spring. Uh, Marcus Fleming, one of the fastest athletes out of the state of Florida, the 2020 recruits who's arrived now, and a number of interesting walk-ons too. So uh, 
I think that was encouraging to hear that, yeah, I mean, the, the guys who are going up against these receivers every day are having a more, uh, you know, difficult time guarding them. Because, again, as, as Travis Fisher said, it wasn't just worrying about maybe two or three guys that could beat you. It was six or seven or eight. And if you missed an assignment as a defensive back, uh, they had the speed and the hands to be able to make a play and, and make you pay, you know, with the score pretty quickly. So, you know, it, it's always interesting, I think, on days like this when it's, it's the day for the defense, but hearing them talk about the offense – is really telling, right, Greg, because these guys go up against yeah. each other all the time in practice, uh, especially the way they've been limited now the last couple of months. It's been seven-on-seven seven stuff, so nobody's going to have a better sense of what Nebraska has in that group than the DBs. So pretty encouraging early sign. Obviously, you want to see it on the field, but uh, you know, at this point, that's just the kind of thing you want to hear. Evan, th- this football team hasn't been able to put pads on since they walked off the field against Iowa last November. Um was there any indication today? Are they do they have a solid day when they can go to that? And how much pad talk did you hear today? Yeah, they, they didn't mention that specifically today, Greg. I believe Scott Frost with you had, had said that the Wednesday was that day that they could go full pads, and that was the day that coincided with the Big Ten implementing its daily antigen testing. At least that was kind of the deadline for those teams, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really fascinated with the whole pads story. I asked, I asked a couple questions on the Zoom call today about it because I just think it's such an interesting, unique situation where, I mean, it's, it's going to have been 10 full months Ooh. since they were in full pads. I mean, that's that's for a college or, or professional-type uh, football player. I mean, that's just a ridiculously long amount of time. Um, and then you start thinking in Nebraska history, I mean, they've had an annual spring game for, for 70 years, so it's been at least that long since the Nebraska team's gone this long. And so then you have to start talking about how do you build up uh, in these next four weeks or so. I mean, you want to get in that contact because, man, you're you're behind and you need to do it. But at the same time, you know, if, if all things go well, you're going to be playing nine games in nine weeks. So you don't want to, you know, run these guys into the ground either. So it's it's a really fascinating I think line and balance that the coaching staff's going to have to walk uh, in the next few weeks as they get these guys ready. And uh, I'll be, I'll be fascinated to hear what some of the offensive guys say on Thursday, because, uh, you know, I think for the defense, it's somewhat obvious. I mean, you're, you're trying to embrace contact. You want to uh, refine your tackling ability, um, be, be strong and powerful at the point of attack. It'll be really interesting. I think to see what the offensive guys say about getting back in there. I mean, the Dedrick Mills of the world, those are guys who embrace contact too. So uh, it's going to be just, I think, really maybe one of the early storylines this year is who who can acclimate kind of to that new uh, reality sooner. And, and we've seen it at the national level with some other uh, college games around the country. Teams haven't adjusted. So uh, it'll be, I think, really fascinating to see how Nebraska approaches it in this next month or so. Well, what were the conversations like about not having fans in the stands and how that might affect – uh, their play, their approach, that type of thing. And, you know, it, I, it's interesting to me, Evan, as I have watched a lot of college football in the last couple of weeks, and I'm seeing more places with fans than places that aren't having fans come in. And yet we're about to flip the script in this league to nobody having fans anywhere. What, what, what reaction, if any, did you hear about that today? Right. Well, you know, I, there were a few things. I mean, Eric Chenander, in his uh, time, he really didn't, necessarily write off entirely the possibility that there could be fans. But I thought he made a really interesting point 
uh, about the challenge to the defense, which is, man, you, you need to have energy anyway. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to be a good defense, you need that anyway. But but if you're in Memorial Stadium or if you're on the road, uh, you know, I, I would think just innately you're going to draw from the crowd, draw from the fans. Uh, and, and right now they're not going to have that. I mean, you're you're talking about playing in front of huge empty stadiums, maybe with a few hundred fans of, you know, family that are in the stands or something like that. So he had a good line, you know, bring your own energy. It's going to be that sort of uh, deal this year. And, and I don't know that we can write off entirely that there will be no fans, but I, I do think that the Big Ten's decision, unanimous decision to come back with football um, was in part made with the understanding among those presidents and chancellors that this would be a, a key piece in that as they maybe limited their the, the perceived risk in bringing some fans back. So personally, I'd be surprised if that de- decision gets revisited and changed, not to say that it won't. Um, but if, if indeed it does stay that way, it's different, you know, it's a different mindset for these players as they come out there and try to make plays. Has it bothered you watching games without fans? I mean, just as a, Somebody who's viewing a college or a pro game does it does it uh, dilute your enjoyment of the sport? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, I felt like after a couple of weeks, I kind of got used to it a little bit. Yeah, uh, just in, in the moment to moment. I think the the weird times are when it's that critical point in the game, right? And you just kind of expect something different, something a little bit different from the crowd and you don't get it. And maybe it's nothing, maybe it's canned noise. Uh, I mean, I was watching some of the twins Astros game today and it was a key moment in the game and the place was just dead. You know, it was cardboard cutouts and it was just really bizarre to see. And I do think that's going to be one of the really fascinating things to follow in this strangest of seasons is what's the value of home field right now. Mm-hmm. What's what what is that advantage? I mean, Oklahoma loses at home to Kansas State here this last weekend. Um, you know, Nebraska's heading to Ohio State in, in what is usually a very formidable venue at the horseshoe, but how is that different, you know, without the fans? It's it's really hard to say at this point. What's Memorial Stadium's uh value without a sold out sea of red and they're supporting the home team? I mean, we don't know. It's been decades and decades since anything like that's happened. So uh Definitely a weird type of situation. Um, players have adjusted to so much already. You got to imagine this will just kind of fall into line with that. But uh, definitely something really unique about this whole deal. Yeah, really is. Evan, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great stuff. I, I, I was just going through some of the stuff you've already posted today. Lots up there and a lot more to come. And now we got offense on Thursday. That'll be fun to hear from those guys. Appreciate it, Evan. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Five three one five hundred forty six eighty six. The number if you want to dial us up with a comment or question or fire us off a text on our U.S. cellular text line. The official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. cellular connecting Husker Nation. We talked about it in hour one, but it's worth revisiting. What a performance by the Chiefs last night, Ben. I, I really thought Baltimore would win the game going in, uh, and I, I've told you this in the past. I think that. I thought this before last night. I thought they were the best team in the AFC. Now, last night on their home field, they just got abused by the Chiefs, who looked fantastic. Yeah, Coach Harbaugh was very complimentary of the game plan of Kansas City, just kind of getting in a little bit of detail. Um, Didn't use a lot of coach speak, unlike what was being thrown around in the SEC. 
uh, today between Georgia and Auburn, which, uh, depending on what side you're on there, was either really funny or really not funny. Um, about what the Chiefs were just doing offensively to pull guys out of position and, and create mismatches. And, I mean, you see the play designs. It looked like they're out on the playground having fun. I mean, I, I've, I've been telling people, imagine how silly that play to Anthony Sherman would look if that defensive end stayed home or was paying attention or knocked it down right. or Sherman dropped a ball. I mean, that's one of those plays that looks super ugly if it's not executed well and looks so amazingly brilliant when it's executed. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I thought the, the Ravens had the game plan on the first drive to just pound it right at Kansas City. They went away from that after that first drive, and, and that was a mistake because Spags' defense was up to that all night. The tackle eligible. How about that play? Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. It was kind of like the Chiefs were just toying with them, playing around. And without the kickoff return that the Ravens got, and that's a bust in special teams for Kansas City. But without that, that game's really not very close. Now, Andy Reid made a lot of people nervous when he went for it near midfield, up two touchdowns and gave the short field to the Ravens, and they scored to pull within a touchdown. But I think he ultimately knows he's got – so much firepower in that offense that, that uh, he can get away with it. It was it was impressive for the Chiefs last night, and a big statement by Patrick Mahomes too. I think he really he really wants to be known as the guy in the National Football League. He's he's got a lot of people in his corner already for that, but I don't know that he's convinced everybody. It was a, it was impressive what he did last night. The other story in the NFL is that the Tennessee Titans are dealing now with the virus. They had three players test positive and five staffers test positive. They've had to shut down their facilities today the vikings have done the same thing because they played the titans over the weekend this is going to be a a story to really follow ben in the coming days what does this do how does the nfl handle this it's not as easy for the nfl to make up games as it has been for major league baseball yeah yeah um you know weird situation um you know i think um yeah i mean it's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, the um, you know, ba- baseball and the where we're at with the, with COVID and how it's handled. And, you know, it's, it's such a tough spot with the precedence. And I feel like now that we've made it three weeks into the season for the NFL to be exposed to it, um, I like the way that they've done it. And like I said before, Greg, it's a little different than baseball because you're not playing every day. You're only playing once a week. So if you could find a way to, you know, get these tests done and get these guys mentally prepared, then, you know, you've got the ability to to power through it and keep these guys isolated. Yeah, it'll be certainly interesting to follow. I mean, we're all waiting for the – I told this to Evan Bland, who we had on and during hour two, Ben. I said, I can't wait – for the day that we don't have to talk about testing, <laughs> protocols. I go, I know we'll get there. It, it will happen at some point in time. But, God, it just seems like it just gums everything up that we love so much about the sports world. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy. And now the NFL has got to deal with it with uh, Tennessee. Tennessee's supposed to play Pittsburgh coming up here this weekend. Hey, great show tonight. Tomorrow night, we'll hear another edition of the Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles, our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, will join us. He's with the Brewers as they get ready to open up a series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
We'll continue our Around the Big Ten reports with a look at Michigan and buy, sell. Comes back tomorrow night as well. It should be a fun, fun night. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, to Mick, and to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Great to have a practice report. We'll have another one of those for you on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your night. <laughs>